What is discipleship? The reason that I called it this is because it kind of ties in with what I was kind of sharing with. We are in a strange time. And what I mean by that is the church. I love history. One of the things that I have watched with history, world history, is that when we see the corruption of what you and I would call the politicians, the kings, the authorities, the rulers, if you look at it and you're honest with it, it is because of the corruption of the spiritual leadership. Okay? Jesus said that the Great Commission was what? To go and make disciples. Now that word means learners. They, they need to know something. But then you see the word apostle. And the word apostle means a sent out one. Now I would really think that common sense would tell us. If you're going to send someone out. They might want to know what they're talking about. Just an idea. Just an idea. So let's look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10. And I'm going to read through the first five verses. And our focus is on two through. But Jesus summoned his 12 what? Disciples. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now the name of the 12 Apostles. See the difference? The name of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter. Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee. John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas. Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot. And Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles nor enter into the city of the Samaritans. Father, would you please teach us today? Help us to understand this. Help us to understand each of us here today have a ministry. We have a purpose. We are here about our Father's work. Father, may we never forget that. May we embrace that. And Father, as we look at James, son of Alphaeus, may each of us smile largely and say amen and amen. Help us, Lord, to hear Your Word. In Christ's name, amen. I started going through this, and I showed you we got two sets of brothers, which is interesting if you think about it. We have some men who were very astute in the Scriptures. They knew what they were looking for. And when one found this Messiah who would help them, he went and did what? Got his Bible study buddy. and said, hey, check this out. We have a politician. Which is interesting, I think. And of course, you have the betrayer. You have a group here that if you really look at it on its face value, this is not what you want to start a global movement with. Just an idea. There's nothing in this group that says, Shazam! 
Right? There's nothing there. And yet, what I watch today, what is it the church is looking for? Shazam. I shared with you those letters. We have four pastors that we support in the lands of Russia. Okay? We have 19 separate ministries in Punjab, India. And we have a school in the hill country of Burma that has literally impacted that country that they had free elections. And I say that. Here's the reason I say that. That school that's in Tedeman, Burma, is known for its ability to teach English. And it does such an outstanding job of teaching English. All of It was a military dictatorship. All of the generals wanted their kids to go there to learn English. And they would pay to have their kids taken up to Tedeman, out of the lowlands. You know what the textbook is? The Bible. So you have agnostics and atheists and Buddhists all going up learning English from the holy book of God. And it is slowly turning the country that they had actually had a... It's just amazing. Pastor Paul was here back in the spring. And he says, Our, we won the elections, but we're not sure the military is going to give up control. And while he was here, the military seceded back and the freely elected government took control. And that's got a long way to go. But you're not telling me that the influence of Holy Scripture didn't play in that. Okay? But you know what? You don't hear it. You hear about Franklin Graham. He's down in Baton Rouge. I don't know what's he doing. Shop back in water or something. I don't know. That's what we want to hear about. We want to hear the big stars. Here I have a friend. Thing Paul. And nobody knows. I mean, I know him. Okay, and he calls me. When he emails me, I'm his bosom buddy. And I'm sitting there going, that's not really a good term right now, Paul. Uh, just call me brother. <laughs> okay. So, but you see what I'm trying to get at? We don't, I look at this little bitty church and the impact that we have on the globe. Though nobody knows who we are. We don't have a television show. Okay. We don't have any of this other stuff going on. We don't have nothing like that. And I prefer it that way myself. But here's what happens. If you look at the disciples, who were these guys? Most of them were fishermen. Peter wasn't even a good fisherman. Every time I read Peter, if he doesn't have divine intervention, he don't catch nothing. Kind of like when I go fishing. Okay? I go through these men... Simon called Peter. If you go through John's Gospel, he's always calling him Simon Peter. Simon was his fleshly name. Peter was his spiritual name. John didn't know whether it was Simon or Peter. So he just called Simon Peter. Andrew, his brother, was the first apostle martyred. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. John died of natural causes, we think. He lived longer than anybody else. James was killed too. And everybody says, well, but he's the beloved. No, you don't call beloved, loving people sons of thunder. 
Philip and Bartholomew were both students of Scripture. We had Thomas, we looked at him, and Thomas was a person who wanted to be with Christ. They tried to kill him in Jerusalem, and they had left. And they heard that Lazarus has died, and he says, I'm going to go back and see Lazarus. And then the disciples were arguing with him, saying, no, we can't go back up there. They already tried to kill us once. And he says, no, I'll go. And Thomas's response was what? Well, if we're going to go up there and die, let's go up and die with him. Okay, and everybody calls him, was doubting Thomas. No, man, this is hanging on tight, Thomas. People don't pick that up. Then you have a tax collector, Matthew, the tax collector. You ever thought about that? Do IRS agents go to heaven? I, just an idea. I just, you know, I'm not condemning anybody. I just, it's just a question. Does IRS agents go to heaven? Because you go, you know what? To the Jewish person, a tax collector was the ultimate traitor. He was taken from the Jews and given to Rome. And he made his profit because he could tax whatever he needed to live on. We all know of little Zacchaeus who was up in the tree. Right? It was a very lucrative business. But do you ever notice, who comes after Matthew? James. Son of Alphaeus. I want to look at this one. Now listen, I don't want a bunch of people arguing with me with my conclusions. This is not heresy I'm getting ready to step into. Because I got news for you. The only thing I can tell you emphatically about James, son of Alphaeus, is that his name is mentioned in Scripture. He didn't write a book. He didn't do anything. So I don't want to be crucified because, well, I just don't know how you came up with that. Fine. Most Christians are like James, son of Alphaeus. What? They're unknown. They're unknown. The unsung hero. The soldier. You know what his greatest characteristic is? You ever thought about this? James, son of Alphaeus, what is his greatest characteristic? Obscurity. Obscurity. There's nothing he did. There's nothing he said is recorded in Scripture. There's nothing mentioned in the extra writings, the historical text, the, the, the things that we read about. The only thing we have about this man is his name. Which brings me to an interesting adventure. Um, if you just leave me alone too long, I, it's hard to say where I'll end up. Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 40. Crucifixion of Jesus Christ. There were some women looking on from a distance, among them was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less and Joseph. Okay, James the Less, okay, literally means little James. Okay, now this could refer 
that he might have been short. It also could be that he was younger than James, John's brother. Okay, so he his age may have made, made him the less. Or, a third possibility, is his influence. Perhaps had very little influence among the disciples. And this is a distinct possibility, and here's the reason that I say this. If you get a group of quote-unquote disciples, and you have some who are older, they don't tend to listen to the younger. Why? Because we know. But what I've learned is, is that the really brilliant older ones are listening to everybody. I had some wonderful conversations on the condition of the church while I was on my little vacation. And the best counsel that I got was from lost people on the condition of the church. And I find that fascinating because if you ask Christians about their church, it's amazing what you hear. And then if you ask lost people about who go to churches because my wife makes me go to this church, which tells me right off the bat, we Houston, you got a problem. And I listened to them. And their view of the church is probably more adequate than the quote-unquote believers. So anyway, put that aside. In Mark's Gospel, I want to show you something. Okay? Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 14. Now, the Gospel of Mark is sort of like what I call the cliff notes of the gospel. He doesn't get into a lot of tales. He's just a bing, 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 bing. That's it. Okay. Mark's gospel, chapter 2, verse 14, interesting thing is said. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of who? Alphaeus. Where was Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting? Where? Tax booth. That makes Levi who? Matthew. Matthew is the son of who? Hmm. I wonder what that means. Now, I can tell you, again, my fatal flaw of loving history, that Alphaeus was a very common name. But did you know that it is possible that James and Matthew were brothers? Because their fathers had the same name, first name. It gets weirder than that. It gets a lot weirder than that. James's mother is mentioned in Mark 15.40. I showed you. She's there at the crucifixion. And she's there with Mary Magdalene, Mary, Jesus' mother, and all the rest of them. Right? Okay. Yeah. We're all, we're, everybody's with me right now, right? Well, let me throw another wrinkle into it. Just because I've been on vacation, I'm allowed to wrinkle up stuff. John's Gospel, chapter 19. Verse 25. (laughs) 
Okay, here we go. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. We're talking about the crucifixion. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother. Okay, we know who that is, right? Mary. And his mother's sister. Okay, you know what that is? Mother's sister. Mary, okay, then they list who it is. The wife of Clopas. Okay, so, so what the heck does that mean? Well, let me tell you something. There is a form of the word Alpheus, and you know what it is? Clopas. Now, are you sitting down? Not only was James the less son of Alphaeus, possibly the son or the brother of Matthew, he could be Jesus's cousin, Matthew and James. Very possible. Very possible. Because that text supports the possibility that the two of them were brothers. But that text also says that was Mary's sister. Got it? It's a weird, kind of strange thing, don't you think? But yet, here we have this man, James, and there's nothing there. We don't know nothing about him. I don't know nothing about. And you know what? Listen, I'm not going to go die on a cross on whether James was Matthew's brother. I know he was James the less. James was a small, possibly young man whose personality was not necessarily powerful. That's why I say most Christians are what? Like him. But yet, what do we do? Remember, the ch- we went through 1 Corinthians? Remember when we went through 1 Corinthians? All the Corinthians said, hey, I want you to look at me. Look at my gift. Look at what I do. What do you see today? We want the applause. I shared with you a couple of times that I, I meet with a number of pastors here in town. Weekly. To pray. And it's amazing, they all have written books. Now, I've got to be honest with you, I've never read any of their books. I'm still struggling through the 66 books of the Bible. Once I get those down pretty good, I'll take on some of these other people. But it's like, that's the thing. Write a book. Because the first thing they asked me, they said, well, how long have you been in Castle Rock? And I said, since 19... 79. Well, how long have you been in a church? Since 1983. Well, how long have you been a pastor? 20 some odd years. Whoa! Are you published? What do you mean am I published? Well, you should write a book. You should read my notes. You don't want me writing no book. I've had people try to transcribe my notes and they're like, I don't know how you got that message out of these notes. Fine. I probably don't know either. If he was Matthew's brother, 
Perhaps he had the same mindset at his brother Matthew. He was willing to serve the Lord without any applause or notice. I was watching. I was getting on a to come back to Colorado, and it must be Missions Week in South North Carolina because everybody's going on mission trips and everybody's wearing T-shirts to tell everybody they're going on missions trips. Now, I'm not against missions trips, but I have been on a few in my life, but I never got a T-shirt for it. Although I did get a really cool Russian one. Never mind. But anyway, but, but I, I, I don't understand that. And, and I remember talking to a guy and, uh, well, have you ever thought about going on a foreign missions trip for a week? And I said, no, not really. And he said, well, we're going to Honduras. And I said, I wouldn't mind going to Honduras for vacation. But I don't think I'd go for a missions trip. I know a church here in town who sent their youth on a missions trip to Mexico. That's the place uh, that I guess everybody wants to go. And they were going to build a foundation for a, and I, forgive me, I don't know what they were going to do. It's a foundation for something. I don't know if it was a, an orphanage, a church, a hospital, a, I don't know. And then they were going to spend a week water skiing. Well, won't you just spend a week water skiing? You know, maybe you can get a fish saved. And then I run into some guys on their plane coming back that were coming to Colorado share the gospel in the Rockies and build. I said, you know, Colorado's not a third world country. And I said, I could take you to my town. We've got 54 evangelical churches. We are just like borderline New Jerusalem. But they had their t-shirts on. And I don't know. I didn't fit their mold. I had a Harley t-shirt on. You'll have to excuse me. I was trying to be comfortable. Why is it that we want the accolades? Why is it? I can tell you why. It's pride. Look at what I have done. And yet I have James the less. I don't know anything about him. I don't know a thing about James the less. I don't know anything about James the son of Alphaeus. I mean, I can, hey, maybe him and uh, three sets of brothers. Oy. I, you know, is there sibling rivalry? I don't, I don't know. You probably need some divine intervention. You throw one of them as a tax collector, the other one's a politician. Dude, you got your hands full. And then you got loudmouth Peter. I do know this about James, the son of Alphaeus. James the less. He was willing to serve the Lord without the applause, without notice. Whatever the case, I want you to think about this. Every one of you, every one of you has someone in your sphere of life that is in desperate need of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I remember reading a story about a doctor. He was a physician. And under the communists in Russia, he had to go do some time at a penal colony in Siberia. A gulag, whatever you want to call it. And he was just a doctor. He's the house doctor. Well, while he was there, somebody gave him the Gospel of Luke. And he read it. He read it. He was amazed by it. And in the process of reading this book, he didn't have an altar call. He didn't have anything that happened. He became a believer. And he read it. And every night when he would get done with his duties in this little medical facility in Siberia, he would go home and he would read this little printed, hand-printed copy of Luke. He was amazed by it. He had a patient who came in. This guy came in and he was sick. So he takes care of him. In the process of taking care of him, he shares the gospel. Let me tell you what I found in this book written by a man named Luke. Let me tell you. And he shared it. The guy on his little gurney asked Jesus Christ to save him. The doctor was thrilled. He went back to his room to run into the Russian guards who had found his copy of Luke and they executed him the next morning. Shared the gospel with one person. One person. The person came safe. And you say, what the? That person that got saved when socialism collapsed was the guy that everybody went to to bring the gospel to 11 time zones. But he'll tell you that it was by a doctor who was swayed by the gospel of Luke that nobody knows his name. Pretty interesting if you think about it. Because see, we want to be the guy who, I am the man who opened the doors to 11 time zones. Listen, brothers and sisters, whatever the case, I want you to be encouraged that God wants desperately to use obscure people like James. And you know what? He rewards them Accordingly, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 30, Jesus talking to His disciples. Verse 28 is the context. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. Just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you. Verse 30. That you may eat and drink at my table and my kingdom. And you will sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
Do you understand that James the less, James the son of Alphaeus, James the son of Clophus, will be judging the twelve tribes of Israel? Someday James is going to sit on the throne in Christ's millennial kingdom and he will rule Israel with the other twelve. But we know about Matthew. We know about Peter. We know about John. But one of the foundations of the new Jerusalem will be marked by this person, James the Less. You know what? He is no different than the other prominent apostles. We don't know who he reached. We don't know where he was sent. We don't know any of those things. No matter how obscure, no matter how prominent you are, from a human perspective, guess what? You're only going to have to deal with eternal rewards. Listen, God takes the dregs of society and turns the world upside down. Remember, they looked at the disciples and said, well, that's a bunch of goofy Galileans. Hayseed hicks. That's agricultural. They don't do nothing up there. They fish in a closed lake. They don't have anything going for them. They're not educated. They haven't read. They haven't studied. They haven't been to universities. And you know what? They turn the world upside down. And they're still turning the world upside down. God can use you. And you know what is amazing about that? He will reward you with glorious, eternal inheritance. And it doesn't matter who you are. What if you're, you know... I get to deal with, I don't know, every once in a while I keep thinking somebody's letting the door open and directing them to me. But I get some goofy people. Some goofy people. And I always look at every one of them because some of them are just flat out annoying. Okay? I had a guy come and visit and I don't know when his last bath was, but he smelled up my office. And it was like... Lord, help me here. And, you know, I've got a bad nose, but I was like, oh, man, there's things, there's a cloud hanging around in here. And he left with a little bit of grin on his face, and I'm sitting there going, huh. But you know what? I always look at those people. What if that's the last Gentile? When the fullness of the Gentiles are reached, we're out of here. Now, I don't know which one's the last one. But there's one last one out there somewhere. And what if that's the one? Can you give him a bath in heaven? No, just kidding. Okay? But I get some of these yahoos and you're sitting there going, this is a waste of time. I remember dealing with a guy who was an enforcer for the Hell's Angels. And, and I don't know if you know what that means, but this is like a... a you don't take this guy home and introduce him to... Hey, look what I found. And uh, I was doing some work on his motorcycle. And he says, well, I hear you're a pastor. And I said, yeah, I am. He said, uh, you know who I am? And I said, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. And he says, my conscience is bothering me. Dude, you better find another line of work. 
because you're in the wrong line of work for that. And I shared with him the gospel, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and I don't care what you've done. I ain't never seen him since. I don't know. It's not my job. You see what I'm trying to get at? You don't know. James the less will rule with the other eleven. You know what? As I have gone through this, I know that the Lord will take all of His people and He will reward them with a glorious eternal inheritance. You and I can't grasp it. I can't. I, I don't understand it. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. Do you know what I do understand? My heart is so grateful to God for all the unknowns. I told you about Dimitri. Started a little Bible study in Glasgow. He was a security officer on a nuclear missile submarine. All pointed at us. Started a Bible study. Three times a week, he'd catch this little train, go over to Glasgow, meet in these people's houses, have a Bible study. Now there's a church. Nobody remembers Dimitri. Nobody. He did. He's not published. But every time I go over there, I make sure I see his widow. Every time I see her, she cries. She's a good lady. She said it was through my message that her son repented. And I said, nah, it's the hand of God. It didn't have anything to do with it. I've already shared with you my job as a table waiter. God prepares the meal. I try to get it out here without spilling it. Now, whether you eat or not, it's not my job. I thank God for those who are unknown. I thank God for those who pray for me every day. I've got a guy who's an over-the-road truck driver. <laughs> I call him John the Baptist. You just have to know him and you know why I say that. But he's, he's hardcore. Him and his wife Sue pray for me every day and have for years. I don't hear from him for stretches, six, eight, ten months. I don't hear a word from him. And all of a sudden he'll call me. Hey, what are you doing? But you know what? I know John is one of those people that says, I pray for you every day. There's no doubt in my mind. He prays for me every day. A lot of people say, Yo, I pray for you. Okay, you know what? A lot of times when you tell somebody to do that, do it right then because you'll never do it again. But there are some that says, I will pray for you every day, and they will. If you're going to tell somebody you're going to pray for them, you know what your best bet is? Do it right then. Because I've done that. I've prayed with people who call me on the phone, and I, well, let's pray. When? Right now. I'll pray with you over the phone. It still works. Because God uses the unknowns and He has done it over and over throughout the birth of the church to shape our lives 
for His glory. For His glory. You know what? Your worst case scenario, worst thing you could do is seek to be like James. I remember reading some stuff, it's extra biblical stuff about James, Jesus' half-brother. Okay, he's one who said, yeah, my brother's falling off the deep end. He thinks he's like God or something. He was the first pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. I believe he is the author of the epistle James. Okay. One of the things I was reading about him is that they called him camel knees. I was like, camel knees? Okay. And you know why? He had calluses on his knees from prayer. In prayer. Now he wrote a letter. James the Less did not. And yet James the Less served faithfully. James the Less will rule over Israel. James the Less will have one of the foundations of the New Jerusalem placed on his behalf. James the Less did all of this without applause. James the Less did this without any glory. James Less, whether he was Matthew's brother or not, I don't know. I don't know. Guess we'll find out when we get to glory. You two related? Because when you get there, guess what? We're all related. Amen? James Less, his personality and God's provision in his soul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for those people who are unknown. Father, those who will take up the burden of prayer. Father, those who take up the burden of serving behind the scenes. Father, those who understand that the shaping of lives is solely and wholly for your glory. Father, may each of our hearts be twisted and pushed to be as James the less. James, the son of Alphaeus. That's all we know, for sure. And yet, Father, You called Him. You called Him. Thank You, my King, for this man. Thank You for the precedence that You used to set in our lives. Father, may we understand if we get the applause and the glory now, then we have our reward. But Father, if we press on to the upward calling of Christ, when our faith becomes sight, then we will have our reward. To You, my King, my Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.